Welcome aboard Just Jets with your captain, Matt O'Leary. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to Just Jets episode number 121. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary. I'm going to be hanging out with you for the next little bit. I am excited to get into today's episode. We have a few things that I want to get into. First, Zach Wilson being compared to Eli Manning. Why? How? For what? We'll talk about it. Uh, We'll also talk about uh, something else, which I just want to do a fun little trip down memory lane with you guys here on Just Jets and then into your voicemails. But as always, a word from our sponsor before getting into the video. Gentlemen, Father's Day is right around the corner. If you are like me and put off shopping to the last minute, well, Manscaped is here to ensure that all father figures are out there and looking like daddy material for this June. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This right here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. 20% off and free shipping with code JETS20. That is J-E-T-S-2-0-4, 20% off and free shipping. Get yourself something nice. All right, so let's hop into this episode. First, earlier in the week, we had Sean O'Hara, who has made a nice little career after his playing career. Obviously, he's well-known from being an offensive lineman, on the New York Giants, and a very good one at that. Uh, Compare Zach Wilson to Eli Manning. And I thought the comparison was interesting because from a playing perspective, stylistically, they're not very close. Eli wasn't a very good athlete. He was a pocket passer, which which is fine. He he made a career that won him a couple of Super Bowls out of it. Uh, But Zach and Eli stylistically are very different. So how how does it compare? Well... Apparently, according to O'Hara, he went after Eli's rookie year, which he struggled. He only won one game. They went one and six in his seven starts, and it was the last game of the year. Comes in, talks to Kevin Gilbride, who is the longtime offensive coordinator of the New York Giants, and they changed some things up, went over what worked and what didn't. And then the next year, the 2005 Giants went 11 and five and were a playoff team. Now, statistically, now, keep in mind, 2005 is very different from 2022. Eli, 52-8 completion percentage, which is not good, but 30, uh, 3,762 yards, 24 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Interceptions a little high, but overall, if like you get, I don't know, 230 yards a game, which is roughly, I think it was 235 yards per game for Eli that year and 24 passing touchdowns. You'd probably sign up from that for Zach Wilson. But I think the point isn't necessarily that, you know, Sean O'Hara is reminded of Eli Manning when he sees Zach Wilson, because that doesn't make any sort of sense. Um, It's more so of being in a steady situation where your situation actually improves, which is what happened with the Giants. It was very obvious that they were going through a rebrand slash retool slash rebuild in 2004. They drafted Eli Manning. Well, they didn't. They they drafted uh, Philip Rivers and traded for Eli Manning. You you know the story at this point. But um, first, they started out okay that year with Kurt Warner. And then 
made a decision and passed it over to their rookie, and they didn't really play well down the stretch. They were hovering around 500. I believe they were five, four and four, or five and four, or something around that. Uh, and then Eli comes in, and they don't play well down the stretch, and he really didn't look very good, but took a significant step forward in year two and got better, and the win started to come. That, I think, is the fair comparison, is that we see a statistical improvement, which you did from Eli in year one into year two, Another year in the program, because keep it. I mean, obviously, we know um, that Tom Coughlin wasn't a rookie coach, but in 2004, that was his first year with the Giants. Um, and then 2005, obviously, was his, his second year, and things got a little bit better at that point. I, I just think, specifically, when it comes to this Zach and Eli comparison, it, it's really not, again, it goes right back to, uh, not being stylistically the same, but just being in a situation where you're, well, putting a good spot to succeed. Think about it. They had a, a great running back in Tiki Barber. They had a good young receiving core. They get Plaxico Burris later on. And next thing you know, you're you're in the Super Bowl and you win the Super Bowl with your quarterback who's in year, the year four of his deal. And obviously a great defense helps and the Jets need to take some strides on the defensive end. And I think they will this year. You can't have the worst defense in football, but offensively, the Jets are set up for success. And that's why it seems like every single week and every single episode, I'm talking about how Zach Wilson has no excuses, but in meaning that in a complimentary fashion for this general manager, because with Sam Darnold, there was every excuse in the book while he, why he wasn't playing well and why he ultimately failed. And same thing with Geno Smith, that roster stunk. And Mark Sanchez, yeah, he they had a good couple of years and then completely overhauled that roster. Uh, and more, the more Rex guys got in there, the more things got worse and Tannenbaum leaves. And then you have the Idzik and it's just, they didn't really have consistency. The last time a young quarterback had consistency was Chad. Um, and Chad would have been the answer if he doesn't get hurt. He comes in in 2002, he sits for a while and then comes in in 2002. Again, early 2000s, different era. Quarterbacks can't, you can't really sit your quarterback for two and a half years at this point. Um, but at the, the thing is Chad would have been fine if he didn't get hurt. That was the point that I was trying to make, but there was, they had a good, a good infrastructure, good foundation and a really good offense and team. And they really, you know, that was one of the last times the Jets had a young quarterback and a really good offense was that time. Uh, and hopefully we see that with Zach Wilson in year two is ultimately the point that I'm trying to make. I would hope his completion percentage is better than 52.8, but if you're sitting around, I don't know. 62 completion percentage in the high 3,000s or right around 4,000 yards. 20 to 25 touchdowns, maybe interceptions around 12. It's a pretty damn good year. And Jets will win some football games. Now, we're a little light on the voicemails this week. So instead, I wanted to do something a little bit fun because I didn't want to do just like, a I don't know, a 15-minute episode. And it's a little bit of a quieter time, which I, I understand you know, the, the voicemail, it's not going to be like, I don't know, the, the week after the Tampa Bay loss and everyone's calling in or, you know, and we're going to have an hour long episode. It's okay. I want to, we can go a little bit shorter and have, you know, and it'll be fine. But what I wanted to do was maybe talk about some forgotten players. Cause like, this is the perfect time for that kind of stuff. The evergreen content, so to speak. Uh, so I fired off a tweet and I said, name a forgotten Jets was receiver. I'll start. And I picked Tim Dwight, who was on the New York Jets 
I believe for just one year, the 2006 season. And he's mostly like most people remember him as the punt returner, which is exactly what he did for most of his career. Um, yeah, it was just 2006. He played in nine games. Uh, he returned how many punts? 14 punts for the Jets that year and had 146 yards. As a receiver, he put up some okay numbers in Atlanta, like 669 yards and seven touchdowns in 99 was probably his best season of his career. But with the Jets, he caught nine passes. And he had two starts, by the way, in 2006, which is pretty wild. But 112 yards, no touchdowns that year. He ended up finishing out his career in Oakland in 2007, but uh, usually remembered for his days in Atlanta and San Diego as a returner. Uh, he was a very, very good punt returner for some years. Uh, and I uh, genuinely, I like, I feel like that's a good answer for forgotten Jets because sometimes, and we'll go through this, but some of these answers are like, I'm saying name a forgotten Jet. I'm talking about someone who isn't that, you know, very remembered, but. Anyway, we'll go through this one. Uh, we have Buffalo Jet fan. If you're not subscribed to him, you should be. He says Clyde Gates. Phenomenal answer. CP says Alex Van Dyke. Like Here's one. We have Joseph Siegel says Lavernius Coles. Who's forgetting Lavernius Coles? Come on now. We can't be forgetting Lavernius. Rory says Jalen Marshall. Uh, a, a, a preseason darling from 2016. Chad Hansen. Says Sally NYJ. Jets fan United says Derek Gaffney. Eddie Bell says Dominic Acuri. Ryan Yarborough. <laughs> Joe Maniello, who you should know from the channel. Uh, we have him on during the season. Uh, he says Denzel Mims, <laughs> question mark, and then ducks in parentheses. That's funny. Uh, Brad Smith, the Wildcat Goat. I don't know if he's forgotten. Uh, Dylan says Jeremy Curley. Uh, Chaz Schillen says Aaron Yeager. Curtis Conway says Brian Finnegan. Chancey Stuckey, that's a good answer, says Trevor Sampson. Diedrich Ward says Daniel E. Crudy. Crutoy. Come on, Altoon. Joseph, Joseph says Altoon. Josh says Stephen Hill. Uh, and BKJ. YK1287 says Ryan Spadula. Who the hell was Ryan Spadula? I forgot about him. He played three games for the Jets in 2013. I have no recollection of him. That one stumped me. The other names was pretty good. I knew those other names, but I'll tell you, Ryan Spadula stumped me. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's always just around this time of year fun to go into those. I love those. Anytime it's it's a little clickbaity when the, the brands do it, like FanDuel or DraftKings or, you know, a lot of those teams or books or whatever or accounts, they want, you know, the interaction. So they'll tweet something like that, which is, I guess, ironic because I did the same thing. But I always love scrolling through. But it's kind of like when you're hanging out with your friend, like. There's always those memes where it's like guys could just name random athletes for hours and have the best time. I literally do that with my friends. I'll be like, yo, you remember Tim Dwight and talk about like Tim Dwight or I don't know, like just silly things like that. So hopefully maybe there was someone that I mentioned that you forgot about and said, oh, my God, I forgot he was a New York Jet. So there we go. Let's get into your voicemails now. Hang on 
one second. We'll hop right in. All right, to the voicemails we go. We'll go to Shane in New Jersey. He wants to talk about Michael Carter being underrated. We are always here for Michael Carter love. Hey, Mr. Matt O'Leary. How we doing? What's Shane up, man? Jersey, giving you another call. Um, reason I wanted to call today was kind of pick your brain about something I thought about the other day. <clears throat> uh, Michael Carter. I honestly feel like the running back. I honestly feel like he's not getting the love he deserves. Yep. Um, mainly because, you know, we just drafted Shiny New Toy, Reese Hall, really cool. And I was watching, too, uh, the, uh, the panel the other day. You weren't on it, but uh, it was like uh, Richie and Greenbean and them, uh, Ryan. And Richie brought it up, too, and I completely agree that he is not getting the love he deserves. little, like, undervalued, underrated because we just got, you know, Reese Hall, this star, best running back in college. Michael Corder was really good. There were countless plays where the play dead behind the line of scrimmage, and he's somehow, he's not the biggest dude, he's not the fastest, not the shiftiest, but, I mean, he, he refused to go down in the backfield, always scraping two, three, four yards out, and that makes a huge difference from, you know, a second and 12 or 13 to, like, a second and seven. It, it, every little bit helps. He was fun to watch. He seemed to be a great character guy. When yes. You see their social media and stuff, he's always cracking jokes, and he texts Brees Hall when he got drafted, so, you know, it's all, like, love with him, and like how good our running back duo can be. I think we can have the best running game in the division. I don't think that's crazy. Um, no. So no, I, that was my first part. It's just like, what do you think about Michael Carter? you think he's getting underloved, undervalued because of Brees Hall? Because I really think they could be – I would love a 50-50 share between them. I do think Brees Hall will get the line share of carries. But I would not mind at all 50-50 because I think they're two damn good running backs and we could really have the best running game in the division. Two is, um, speaking of the division, um, just like hopes and expectations – I think we could have, A, the best O-line of the division, with Becton coming back and two possible Pro Bowl guards, the best running game, and I would love to see Zach solidify himself as the second-best quarterback in the division. Obviously, you're not going to be better than Allen right now, but give me that. And then why can't we compete with, you know, the receivers and things like that? You're not going to have the best with, you know, Diggs and Hill and them, but, like, let's have Garrett, Elijah, Corey Davis ball out, have some good tight ends. Like, why can't we compete and split with the Dolphins and the Pats and make some really good games for the Bills. And, hey, maybe, I don't even know, split them if everything is going well. But, yeah, man, that's about it. That's all I got. Uh, Beckton's going to come back and absolutely be a beast. That's the last thing I got. Love the show. Go Jets. Be good, man. Thank you, as always. Much appreciated. Um, Thank you, Shane. To start with Michael Carter, um, he is underrated. I did a video earlier in the month. Yeah, I think it was June 1st, actually, when it came out. and Michael, both Michael Carters made my list. No, uh, that was top five under 25. Maybe Michael Carter wasn't on the underrated list. Anyway, um, apologies. Point is, I agree with you. I think that um, Michael Carter is being underrated because of the shiny new toy of Brees Hall. Now, I don't think there's going to be a 50-50 split, but I don't think it's going to be like, I don't think we're going to see Brees Hall be like this bell cow running back. Um, when I look at what Michael Carter did last year, he finished with... 639 yards, 4.3 yards per attempt, and four touchdowns. I think we could kind of see something similar to maybe like Leon Washington's role. Where he had, I mean, in his rookie year, he had 151 carries for 650 yards. Um, But even like in 2008, he had 448 yards on 76 carries, 5.9 yards per carry. That's pretty solid. And obviously, Thomas Jones was the lead back that year. How many carries? 290 for Thomas Jones. God. Obviously, it's not going to be that much of a difference. 
Um, I'd be curious to see what we saw last year with uh, the Browns. Obviously, they ran the ball a lot, and they're one of the better running offenses in football. So I'm going to pull that up. Give me half a second here. Uh, okay. So Nick Chubb had 228. Ernest Johnson had 100. Oh, Kareem Hunt was hurt last year, so that's not really going to be indicative. All right, what if we do the year prior, 2020? You had... 198 and 190. I don't know if it's going to be that close. Um, Maybe like 49ers. Can we pull them up too and see if there's a good comparison there? I'm trying to think of what the actual split's going to be, but it's kind of hard to put an like a uh, legitimate number on it. Okay. Elijah Mitchell had 207, and then the next closest was Jeff Wilson, 79. I feel like a 65-35 split is where I think it would be, or maybe like 60-40. 50-50 I, I would be surprised with, but I do think he's very, very good. Um, and he's going to be involved in the passing game too. Your other prediction, not or expectations or hopes, I think are spot on. There's no reason that Zach Wilson can't be the second best quarterback in the division. Um there's no reason. I agree with the running game. It could be the best. Offensive line is definitely the best, in my opinion. Uh, I think Mekhi Becton is going to come back and be very good. But um, I like Michael Carter. He's not going to be a forgotten guy. He's going to be be utilized. And I expect him somewhere, maybe somewhere around 500 r- rushing yards. He'll be a role player. But you need, like, you need, think about all the times when the Jets were good and they're role players. Even, like, even in 2015. Chris Ivory was the main running back, but how good was Bilal Powell out of the backfield as a change of pace and catching? Uh, or in 2009, we mentioned Leon Washington. Uh, you also had the Sean Green in there. Like you need to have more than just one guy. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I'm very much so uh, excited to watch Michael Carter this year. We're going to do Mel calling in from Brooklyn. He wants to talk about can the Jets win 11 games? All right, let's go on the optimistic side. Hey, Nato Larry. This is Mel calling from Brooklyn, New York. Um, my question is, do you think the Jets can get to at least 11 wins with the schedule that we have right now? Because I think that we can get to 11 wins. And if we do get to 11 wins, do you think that we can get to a Super Bowl with 11 wins? Because I got them at 11 wins, but I also got them winning the Super Bowl this year just because we are more attainable. We are more confident. We're playing with a level of confidence in the rebuilding state stature that we can get to a Super Bowl level. Thank you. Appreciate the love. One. You are a lot more optimistic than I am. Uh, 11 wins in the Super Bowl would be tremendous. Um, I hope you're right. I hope Mel from Brooklyn. I really hope uh, uh, 10 months from however many months from now, February is we are sitting here and be like, oh, my God, I can't I can't believe that that guy called in in June and predicted this. I would be blown away if that happens. I think my realistic and reasonable expectation is be competitive week in and week out, be a team that nobody wants to play 
and maybe you win eight games. Uh, maybe the offense is somewhere around middle of the pack, which is a, which is a big step up, and the defense is maybe somewhere in a mediocre range. They were 32 last year. Maybe they move up to 20. Zach Wilson looks like the guy. Elijah Moore gets better. Garrett Wilson gets better or improves as a rookie. This rookie class pops. Elijah Vera Tucker's playing well. Makai Becton's healthy. And then you go into 2023, and it's like, all right, now's your time to really make that jump. Uh, I just personally, I can't say with a straight face that I think the Jets are going to win a Super Bowl this year. I can't. I, I think there's still more work to be done. The linebacker room is not nearly going to be competitive enough in my eyes. Safety outside of Jordan Whitehead is a major question mark. Um, I think depth on the offensive line could come into play if there's injury. If not, they should be very good on paper. Um, but this is still a young team. It's still an inexperienced team, and I think they're a little bit away. So, uh, unfortunately, I do not share that same thought. We'll go to Vinny and Peekskill. He has some thoughts on the Jets' first overall pick conversation. Hey, Matt. It's uh, Vinny from Peekskill here. And, you know, I just want to get off this little rant a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess we should have expected it after all the positivity that the Jets have gotten so far into the offseason that it was only a matter of time before people started regurgitating the stale old Jets narratives. So, you know, and it's funny about it. Like, I mean, do you seriously think the Jets are going to be the first overall pick? I mean, do you not know the Jets? Even if we were bad, which we're not, it always goes down like the Jets will get eliminated from the playoffs, then they'll start winning and fall out of the, the touted draft positioning. That's how it always works. That's why we only have ever gotten the first overall pick once. And yes, Namath, for those who don't know, was a trade with the Oilers to get the first overall pick. So we've only earned the first overall pick once. And secondly, we're the clown show organization. We're the dumpster fire that's going to be the first overall pick this year. I mean, there are so many other teams you could pick. I mean, you listen to them in that tweet. Seattle, Atlanta, Giants. You know, there's a lot of other teams that are worth it. Heck, you could pick the Patriots to be more likely for the first overall pick than we are. I mean, like, well, we've had the offseason that's been universally praised. The Patriots had a bizarre free agency where they just let too many, they let good players walk for no reason. They had a bizarre draft that everyone questioned their heads. And to top it all off on the bizarreties that the Patriots have had this offseason, they're about to make Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia, Mr. Terrible Defensive Coordinator, Mr. I took over the Lions and their offense regressed from 7th to 25th, their play caller. Like, they've done everything to, to signify being a clown show, but I guess because Belichick is there, you won't dare call them a clown show. No. But we're supposed to be the clown show? Just stop. <laughs> I cannot wait till this season comes and all these analysts Spouting this nonsense gets to eat a mouthful of crow. <laughs> that is all, and go Jets. I love it. I love when Vinny gets fired up and goes on his rants. If you don't know Vinny from Peak Skill, he, the amount of like knowledge that he has from like, I don't know, the 60s on this Jets, on, you know, on Jets football is just wild to me. But I love when he gets fired up. I love when he goes off about the Patriots. Um, I don't think they're going to be picking first overall. Um, I think they'll take a step back for sure. Uh, I think they're definitely a team that is a regression candidate. When I look around the league, uh, New England, 
regression candidate, Arizona regression candidate. Since he may be a regression candidate, like I think Baltimore takes a big step up. Uh, and I think Baltimore wins that division. And I think uh, since he'll still make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to be like right back to where they were in a Super Bowl again. I think that would be really tough. Who else is a good candidate for regression? Not one's jumping out to me. I don't have anybody jumping out to me right now uh, outside of those two guys. But Vinny, I love when you get fired up, man. Like I said, Vinny from Peekskill knows his stuff as always. I love it. My notes say Patriot slander, which just makes me laugh. Matt from New Jersey's here. He's going to close us out. He wants to talk about how he became a Jeff fan. All right, cool. Hey, Matt. It's Matt from New Jersey. Um, past couple of uh, weeks, you've been saying you've been interested in how uh, your followers have become Jets fans. Yeah, hit me. Um, so I thought I'd get on here and share my story. Uh, so my dad is, you know, born, it was born and raised in South Jersey. So he's diehard Eagles fan. Uh, so naturally, I was raised an Eagles fan. You know, I had you know, Eagles jerseys, well, you know, all that, all that stuff. But I live in North Jersey, so naturally, I got a lot of crap for being an Eagles fan in, you know, quote-unquote Giants area. Okay. Uh, so when I was young, I, I came home, and I said, you know, Dad, I'm tired of, of getting picked on for being an Eagles fan. You know, I want to root for a local team. And he said, you know, you can you can be a Jets fan or you can be a Giants fan. But, you know, if you're a Giants fan, you're going to sleep outside. <laughs> yes, so, yes. Been a been a Jets fan ever since. Okay. And uh, that's, that's, that's my story. So thanks for having me on. Go Jets. I love it. That's great. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, you got to sleep outside. You could be a Giants fan, but you got to sleep outside. Listen, the Giants and Eagles rivalry is real. Um, I get it. I know someone I went to like middle school and high school with was an Eagles fan. Um, but his dad, like they were, they were, they were legit. Philly fan. Like it wasn't just like Eagles and that was it. They were Philly everything fans and they would go, they had season tickets. They'd go every week. They'd go down to Philly and then come back up for, for the one o'clock games. At least sometimes you'd miss school too. Um, jealous of that. But anyway, that's, that's interesting. And like I said, um, or like you said, rather you, I get wanting to root for the local team because it's so, or at least back then, maybe not so much now. I was going to say it's hard to be a fan of a team that isn't in your area. Um, but I feel like now that's so much easier uh, with the different packages and streaming services and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know if I could do it. And I personally wouldn't, I can't change my team. Like at this point, I can't be like, yeah, I'm. Uh, that's it. I'm, I'm going to do... Eagles, for example, the, the inverse of what Matt did and be like, yeah, I'm going to become an Eagles fan. I'm going to start an Eagles YouTube channel now. Um, I just I just couldn't do it. Uh, I, there's too much blood, sweat and tears put into this thing. So that's going to do it for me on this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for the questions. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Rating, 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 review, 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 review. Mouth can't mouth isn't working right now. Review. Thank you so much for tuning in. Love you guys. I'm Matt O'Leary. I'll talk to you next time.